0: Derek here. This is Chris. And we're recording our first Class War podcasts here at Chris's base camp up in Walden, Vermont. Awesome. So little introductions. I'm Derek, and I am the founder of the pilgrimage event. Um, a little back history on this event is it started from the, I guess we'll say ashes of V.O.B.S. and then before that, Vermont Overlands. And I've, this is what got me into actual overlanding is running this event and going to this event. And I've been into Land Rovers and other random military vehicles for 15, 20 years before that.
1: Yeah, and I'm Chris. Um, I've basically just watched Derek collect amazing vehicles, and I've never lived anywhere where I could truly enjoy them. Uh, So a few years ago, when I got back to Vermont, um, I was really able to join Derek. And some of these events check
0: out some of the vehicles and then get one of my own yeah in a little bit once we're done talking about the pilgrimage and the history of the class four roads we're going to do a walk around audio tour of chris's amazing 110 that has evolved because of the pilgrimage events changes color every year so first off let's talk about what is what's the pilgrimage to you like so instead of it just me talking about my event what's the pilgrimage to you who's who've seen it Grow and change, and and it actually as an attendee. Yeah, so I've been to the pilgrimage last two years, um,
1: and you know before that started riding the trails with Derek, Um, going to the pilgrimage for the first time. I wasn't sure what to expect. I went there to have fun, to camp out, relax, unwind from work and those stressors. Um, When I got there, it was just amazing to see all the vehicles, the different people, and just how fun everyone had uh, while they attended this event. Um, I had the opportunity to lead some groups,
0: hand out goat cheese and butter. Oh my god, the cheese is... (laughs) So this is an inside pilgrimage tip. Go over to Chris's Vermont Creamery. Well, you should buy Vermont Creamery products anyways, but go over to his Vermont Creamery stand and just sample some of the most amazing (laughs) goat cheese. But if you can, the, what is it, the restaurant quality butter yeah. will completely destroy your butter experience going forward because nothing is as good as that. No, you just eat it straight
1: and it changes oh, your life.
0: my God. Uh, I also highly recommend the Cremont, which is my favorite. Chris has given me some Cremont after this visitation up here filming the strip. But yeah, so Chris has come as a vendor and gotten from our creamer involved to help us. And that has been amazing. But one of the things that I like about the event is it's changed from when I was going to VOBS because I really got into what was formerly the, the similar style event, Vermont Overland Birdwatching Safari in its later stages, starting in about 2017. And I've more, I took what I saw because it was a great event. Um, Peter Volors had an excellent formula and he, he is responsible for really all these maps. He's the one who hit all the class four roads. And categorize them and color code them for difficulty, which we'll go over what because that's the question we always get is Is my vehicle good enough for this? Yeah, and what do these colors mean? Um But going from there, the things that I took out of it, I was attending with a family, and as the event went on, it was a little less family oriented and more dedicated on the more hardcore wheeling aspect and the self navigation, which is great but it kind of excluded a lot of the people who are newer to overlanding and exploring Vermont. Um, so when I took over the, the, uh, the property cause I bought Peter Vollers' house in 2020, um, and then took over the business that really we decided to make it our own and, and not use any of the Vermont Overland names and the Vermont Overland went it's separate ways, um, with Ansel running the bike side of it, and now the running side of it, um, it just made sense for it to be to be its own. And the thing that made me think about it is what what do we call it? And we went through so many different names, and I thought of, what is this event to a lot of people? And people will come from all over the country, and it is a pilgrimage to Vermont every fall to see the fall foliage, to hang out with amazing people, meet new people around the campfire, and just have an incredible time on the class four roads, which is what makes this event possible.
1: Yeah, I just want to reiterate you know, a point Derek made about it. Um, being more open to either newcomers or families. Uh, I didn't have a background in this. I owned an uh, old Nissan Xterra just to get to the mountains in California before this, and didn't know anything about self recovery, or recovery, or how to drive on some of the different technical terrain. And the great thing is, is no one at these events is too good to share their knowledge, to lend a hand, to make those 1 a.m. rescue trips.
0: Um, oh, yeah, we did a couple of those. <laughs> Point of advice don't do the crack on a Friday night just as it's about to get dark in a single vehicle. Those guys did an awesome job of self recovering with two flat tires, a bunch of body damage, two broken windows. They winched like miles, I think. They They winched their awesome, but like, wheel, wheel with a group, or if you're going to do the crazy stuff, do it at a time when someone else is, if you're going to do it alone, do it at a time when someone else is probably going to come down that trail, yeah. right? I'm happy to come and help you out, and the community loves it, I swear, we all live for it, like it's a rescue mission, We, you know, it might as well be the Sante raid, the way everyone gets pumped up, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's wheel responsibly, wheel with a group if you can, or have the confidence to self-recover and the abilities.
1: Yeah, and kind of on that too, right? Like, let's talk about Vermont and the community here and these class four roads, right? Like, these are shared roads, open to the public, but rarely maintained and at varying degrees of difficulty. Um, You know, they go through, they cut through people's yards, they cut through uh, different towns,
0: property lines, um, over mountains, over mountains, through rivers, R- rivers have now yes, they were it's so you're not driving up a river for the sake of driving up a river. Waterways have now formed on some of these roads, especially when it's wet. So you are illegal to drive, we don't ever encourage people driving up and down rivers or bodies of water that are not, um, you know, part of the road system. But yeah, you go from anything to like this is a normal dirt road in anywhere into the country to something like the crack and you're like how was this ever a road you're like what what happened
1: here <laughs> and at the same time you go from full cell phone service to none for miles uh you go from oh yeah <laughs> fuel stops and food to again nothing as you cut across mountain ranges and you know it's just important to keep uh that in mind making sure you have the right stuff with you uh knowing kind of what your path is going to be uh, so that you can plan appropriately
0: and restock along the way as appropriate. And the cool thing with this event is it's, it's a guide your own tour mystery book. Like, it's what you can do whatever you want to do at the Belkin Ridge, And that's one of the reasons I love it is you can show up in a completely stock, whatever it is, new Defender, old Bronco, 1947 Willys Jeep, anything, and still stay within your capabilities and have the comfort of knowing that these trails, have been pre, well they're not trails, the Class Wars has been pre-run, so you're never gonna get yourself into a situation that's beyond your vehicle's capabilities and more important, your driving abilities. Um, and then because it's such a community event, if you don't have anyone to ride with, come over to the staff desk and we'll help you find someone else who wants to go do similar things or we'll take you out on one of the guided the guided stuff that the staff does, or some of our amazing vendors like OEX, Northeast Adventure Company, they come out and offer their, their guide services for free. Like Going out and going wheeling with the OEX guys who are probably the best off-road driving instructors in the world. These are the guys who train tier one level guys for the military. That is, that is not a cheap thing. You'd be paying good money and I highly encourage you to get the training just like anything, go down and take a class where it's OEX or whoever. Um, but that's a huge perk that you can go out and get the instruction from these guys for free and meet them and demo the product. It's, it's a huge
1: perk and right. It then allows you to go the rest of the year a little more comfortably on
0: your own. Oh yeah. Totally. Right. Like I've learned so much. So when I got into this, I was really only comfortable with greens and blues. I just was, I was driving really old vehicles. I was driving a night. So the first couple VOBS is I was in a 1978 Land Rover ambulance and I had no idea how to use the maps. I was terrified. I had a dog with me, two kids and my wife, no idea how to use the maps and the community that took me in and showed me where to go was a group of Suzuki Samurais, (laughs) which You ever get a chance to go wheeling with the suzuki samurais guys is hilariously fun because the way they tackle all these obstacles with just raw power and the ability to just hop over everything because they weigh like 300 pounds is awesome but it was so cool to be cruising down these class 4 roads and doing water crossings and there's a pack of five suzuki samurais and one big land rover ambulance but i had the confidence knowing that if I had a problem, I wasn't out there alone. I wasn't gonna die in the Vermont wilderness. And that's not gonna happen up here. With these, these are, we we do the pre-running and grade the class four so that way you know what you're getting into. Yeah, And we really, again, we always encourage you to go out and, and do it with friends and make friends. I've made so many friends who are now lifelong friends that are, are nearly family just through meeting them at VOBS, like Brady, Laz, Ned Crystal, like all those dudes that I just met around the campfire, talking and, and just cruising the class four roads with. Um, that's the thing I love it. The other thing that's cool about this event versus a lot is it is a bring anything you want event. There is no right or wrong way to do this event, regardless of the vehicle you have so long as you're having a good time.
1: Or, or to that point, like, you don't have to be
0: A millionaire for this event oh good god no right (laughs) i mean we have we have a bunch of them but no you do not need to be a millionaire um i like watching the weird stuff and again if people can start bringing the cooler older weird stuff i my big goal is one day to see someone come in like a model ford like tier a that was originally cruising these class War roads like i'd love to see a pre-war truck doing these trucks like that's why i buy a lot of you know i collect really weird stuff like UAZ 469s <laughs> and old Land Rovers and stuff and um, I love doing the greens and the blues and this old stuff that is wildly not capable but hilariously fun because it makes those what would be a boring trail in a built-up JK or a Unimog fun Um, and that's the big thing like we have Sam who's one of our friends who comes in this amazing Subaru you would never think a Subaru would be on these class 4 roads and Sam brings it every year and just puts a lot of people to shame because he will go down these obstacles and just go into them complete confidence and doing stuff i see guys with built up rigs hesitating because he knows his vehicles and he's driving within his comfort limits and it's awesome to see and it's cool when you're just sitting in the pilgrimage venue watching you know if you're into forerunners or land cruisers seeing them come in and then you'll see the unimogs go by or brady's Six wheel Pinzigauer or, or Jerry's 1947 Jeep, which is so far the oldest vehicle we've had come to the pilgrimage. Seeing all that's that gone and tested half oh these my trails, God. Pre- yeah, the trails on the trails with yeah, us. And... Jerry is a. Uh, we'll do a podcast with Jerry because he <laughs> is. I'm an original Vermonter, but Jerry is the original Vermonter. Uh, I think he was the first one. <laughs> uh, and also the most helpful. I am beyond lucky to have Jerry as a neighbor. I joke that when I'm doing stuff around the house or when I get stuck, because whenever I get stuck behind the house, Jerry just appears with a chainsaw and the Jeep and gets me out. <laughs> um, it's But that's the relationships you build with the Pilgrimages. You see all these cool rigs, so you can go wheeling with anything. Like last year, I went out and led a just a fun run to get a Creamy. I was in an old British Special Forces Land Rover. We had a Porsche Cayenne with us, yeah. which was crazy capable, a Touareg, uh, some sort of Expedition Cam- I I don't know the vans that well. I really don't know. We had a 9,000-pound van with us that was four-wheel drive doing amazing on the greens. What, I, I think we had a, like a land cruise with it. It was just such a, a weird collection of vehicles that you'd never see at like Jeep Jamboree or a Land Rover-only event. It's just cool to see that stuff i think that's what i really appreciated
1: like this last year when i was kind of leading a group each day i I never knew what vehicles what capabilities or any of that and so it's kind of cool to see who lined up talking to the folks right getting a sense of who they were and what they wanted to do and and then kind of building out a route from there yep and yeah i just remember the last day just yeah, I was driving back up home and leading a group that also lived up in northern Vermont. And uh, I had two full-size trucks. I had a Ram and a
0: Tundra that were built up for overlanding. Oh, yeah, the pickup trucks have come a long way. We yeah. have a bunch more of the modern American pickup trucks coming. And I was really surprised where I never thought that one of those trucks could wheel as well as they did. No, I thought the muddy spots were going to get them every time, yeah, right? Yeah, no. Just sinking it's, in. And... That stuff has come a long
1: way. You broke down, and they helped you. Yep. Yep, I lost my uh, front drive shaft on yep. that one, went down a two-wheel <laughs> drive for the remainder of that trail. And uh, uh, fortunately, uh, Ian Ackerman of uh, Ackerman Maple Syrup actually up here in Cadillac. Yep, yep, yep. Um, he's used to, you know, working the land and working on his own stuff when it breaks. And he hopped down there with me. He had his whole family in the tundra and uh, helped me get it removed completely after one end broke off. Uh, just so we could get
0: out of there. And that's Um, the cool thing with the event is, so it's kind of a big safety net. So what we say is, if you have a problem, get into the Facebook group and post up where you are, what's going wrong, and that everyone who's at the event is going to see that and we will get you help. And even whether it's just getting you to the road so you can get towed or getting a trail fix. There are so many better wrench turners than you and I at these events, and everyone wants to help. Yeah. You'll get
1: Brady out of the river and uh, back in his pins to go find you.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, my pins blew a clutch last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, or like just all this stuff, the safety net of just having the knowing that if something goes wrong with a vehicle mechanically, we will get you out. The community will get you out. And then. You can still have an amazing time at the event and just ride passenger we've got a bunch of people just ride passenger, um and that's loads of fun i actually am getting to the point where i really enjoy riding passenger now at the event because like i can socialize more and i'm not focusing on driving or having to run my vehicles and all that and um there's something special about seeing
1: someone hit these these roads for the first time and oh yeah yeah you know, just that smile on their face after they make it over uh, an obstacle and just, and then like you've had this
0: amazing experience all day, whether you're going around to Lawson's or you want to make the crazy hike up the hill farmstead or, or whatever, or you want to go search for the perfect maple creamy or the views, uh, which is up here in Walden, the perfect <laughs> maple is. creamy, I will 100... harvest store, which is harvest store is the best maple creamy in Vermont. <laughs> it's on the maps. It is worth the trip up here. And especially if you have kids, you can stop at the orchard along the way up there. Like Burt's, Apple Orchard, uh, great place. The Northeast Kingdom, especially if you've been going to VO or VOBS for a while, take the time and head up into the kingdom because we've added a lot more towns up there. We're getting ready to do another round of exploring this year and adding some towns. Um, It's a bunch of cool stuff that hasn't been run to death if you've been to the events before. Um, Uh,
1: Derek and I found that out last year. You know, we were... uh, Trying to map out some of them, and...
0: We struck out a bunch, but we also found some amazing trails. We found the Pit of poor Decisions, that's so Oh fair. my God, yes, the Pit of poor Decisions was uh, a... Bad we, day to wear sandals. It was a bad day to wear sandals, and at one point when we had three different vehicles stuck, going in different directions... Winching out in both directions. Winching out in both directions, and there was no good line. That's why it's called the Pit no. of poor Decisions, because you think there's a good line, and there's not. It's just a... <laughs> and it's, it's very wide. Yeah. So, so it's deceiving where you could find, but um, we, were, we were helped out by a bunch of locals. In Jeeps. In yeah. Jeeps. And they felt super confident they are going to make it. It immediately got bogged down with us, which was <laughs> awesome. Um, but like, that sort of stuff is, is cool. And it's marked, pay to poor decisions, pink, so you know that, like, hey, I probably shouldn't take my Subaru through that or my stock rig. Um, but to finish up the event, After you've had this amazing day out in the Class 4s, you come back to the venue at Henderson's Hideaway. You want goat cheese. You want goat cheese. And it's right along the White River. It's beautiful. And the way I've set it up is it's not just an event about overlanding everything else. I want to really showcase what Vermont is. And how I do that is bringing out the best local Vermont products, be it Vermont Creamery, be it with the distillers we worked with, Vermont Spirits last year. We've got a couple of distillers we're getting for this year. Um, the amazing food vendors, Taco wow. Truck All-Stars. We, we want it to be so you don't have to go anywhere. Come and hang out. If you want to buy on the Thursday night, we're bringing in another local farm to sell meats and eggs and maple syrup. You can't beat it. So you can just grill at the campsite. And then if all else goes wrong and you don't want anything there... The town of South Whirlton is a mile down the road. With a, you can go visit Worthy Burger, which is a must-stop anyways. Yes. Our friend Jason, who's been doing the Class 4 roads for eons um, and does it in the coolest new glad, diesel Gladiator, which I didn't have a lot of respect for until i have done a bunch of time wheeling the Gladiators, is amazing, especially with his diesel. He's getting like 18 miles per gallon on 37s. It's mm-hmm. insane. It's um, And he's been a huge sport event so definitely check him out at worthy burger and worthy kitchen worthy kitchen you need reservations though that's in woodstock worthy burger you do not in south whorlton so anyways you have this amazing experience we do an ice cream Sunday bar for the kids on the uh and adults and the adults yeah because i'm i'm an inner and outer (laughs) fat kid we do that on the thursday night friday night we do a cigar bar um i'm smoking a burka 21 cigar right now that is my vice if uh anyone ever wants to bring me gifts i love i love cigars um mild mild to medium not spicy um but we do the cigar bar and it's all stuff that i smoke and it's it's free and then on the saturday night for the kids we do the pumpkin carving Yep. um and that's i want it to be completely family friendly it's dog friendly event too it is yeah so a lot of you guys got to meet grizzly who is uh my dog who was going around the Wolfhound who followed me from campfire to campfire to campfire for like five hours every night last event Um, and it is whatever you want this event to be if you want to wheel all day and into the evening awesome if you just want to have a casual pace and come in a VW van and just cruise some of like the more tame class 4 roads or even just the dirt roads and then enjoy the atmosphere at the at the venue awesome there's no right or wrong way to do this as long as you are having fun. That's what it comes down to. Um, and it's open to anybody. Um, so I really look forward to showing this event with you. I think we've spent enough time on the event. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the class four roads and the maps. All right. So you tell me about your history with the class four roads and some about it.
1: Yeah, so class four roads to me Kind of growing up, there weren't a ton in my immediate area. I was in Chittenden County, just south of Burlington. Um, but you know, you head to the town south where Derek grew up, um, and you start finding them. And then you start finding. There
0: was a whole one in Charlotte.
1: Yeah. There was a whole one. Let's but, be honest. <laughs> but, but right, like now in the Northeast Kingdom, Oh, it's... Google Maps starts to take me down them sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes in my wife's Hyundai, um, you know, hybrid that's always a blast. Uh, usually don't get very far down. And, uh, but it's really cool. You get to see basically how the state was built ahead of time. Um, yes, you've probably heard of like the stone walls along, you know, property lines in Vermont and stuff. And a lot of that is when the land was being cleared, but the big stones, they kind of started piling up along the border so that their land was more tillable uh, for the crops. And so it's really cool because you can actually see the outlines
0: of what's now like. What is now straight up old forest, growth forest, like old growth forest. Yeah, And there's a stone wall that's running for miles through. And you're like, who built this?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's, like, it's so cool to see. And then you take another turn onto another class four road and there's an old cemetery.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. An old cemetery that had some open graves, which was wildly disturbing. That was up in, That was up here in the kingdom. Um, or the cellar holes. So, yep. as, as a lot of you know, my passion is the history. I love the history, be it the cellar holes, the gold mine and ghost tour stuff, and then coming from my aviation side, from where I used to be in the Air Force and then I was a pilot, um, aviation archaeology and the aviation history of Vermont. And the class four roads go to all these places. It's pretty crazy that The reason they're there, particularly down where I am in Southern Vermont, is because a lot of the towns that these roads serve don't exist anymore. So just up the road for me at the base of some classical roads is, was the old town of Reading that doesn't exist. It sunk in and it had a hotel, brothel, you know, general store, everything. And it just ceased to exist, but the road's still down there. Or when we go out to Plymouth to the, what we call the ghost town, that was a whole functioning town that just disappeared. Because it turns out Vermont gold mining was um, not a real thing. Yeah, there wasn't quite the boom that California had in the 1850s. We'll we'll, we'll get into that when we actually, if you come up and do the ghost mining tour, or the the gold mine tour and the treasure tour, because there's another story of that, and do some panning up here. But I love the history side of it, and these Class 4 roads are history, and the cool thing about what makes it possible in Vermont is these roads are protected, and the reason we could map them all out, well, Really, Peter started mapping the laws They showed up on V-Trans maps and were marked. And But warning, you can't just take a Vermont V-Trans map and take it for gospel that these roads still exist. Nope. Last year when we were up here, well, we ran into a road that just like then, natural forest just like started appearing. You could kind of vaguely see where it was, with their tre- trees that were obviously 80 years old Yeah, in the middle of the road. And like, they may be on the maps, but they're not there. And that's the big reason why we pre-run them.
1: Yeah, there's one time I was just driving through Cabot on my own with my wife and uh, thought I was turning on to a Class 4 and ended up just being in a farmer's field and ended up swimming in the guy's pond with him. Um, fortunately, he was nice enough to, uh,
0: you know, <laughs> kind of see what I was trying
1: to do and That's, that's the thing.
0: Um, <laughs> so, speaking of that, Class 4 roads, courtesies. Yeah. So, the big thing that I really try to get across to everybody is these roads are shared. So... Nests, not a lot of people are driving on them, but you will see loads of people walking on them, particularly down where I am in southern Vermont, down the Woodstock area. You will see a lot of horses on them. I growl ride them. Or, yeah, the bikes. The bike is a huge thing, especially up here in the kingdom now. Yep. Um, with the rail trail and everything. Be courteous to everyone you come across. If you come across horses or people walking dogs, pull over, let them go by. Yep. Um, talk to them, engage them in conversation. Um, you are not only a representative for yourself, you are a representative for the whole overlanding community, you're a representative for anyone who's out on these road and wheel vehicles, and a representative for the event. And sometimes you're going to come across people that don't want you there, and just respect that. And if you come across a class four that is blocked, just turn around. It's not worth getting into. Yes, the roads are legally protected under the state of Vermont. There is up to a $1,000 fine if they are blocked. Um, by anything other than a logging equipment that was there temporarily. Um, But I've taken a a couple of class four roads off of the maps just because the, the people that lived at either end of them were just so anti, anti anyone using them. It wasn't worth the, the hostility that you coming to the event would have to deal with. And those are very few and far between. And there's 1700 miles or more of class four roads in Vermont. It doesn't matter if we lose off-road to someone who doesn't want us there. There's plenty of stuff to experience and see. So, again, just be courteous. Uh, And the other thing we're starting to see a lot more of is the adventure bikers. Really be courteous with them because, remember, they may take a lot more momentum to go up and down an obstacle, and they're going to generally be at a higher speed than we may be cruising at to keep that bike upright, especially if they're in a proper adventure bike, like a heavy BMW or KTM. They get a bunch of kiddos. because those guys are like properly straight up overlanding. They are, everything they own is on that bike. That is
1: legit. And even as a mountain biker, right, I could tell you that the, the speed, the momentum is what gets you over those things. It's not always that perfect line or taking your time. Sometimes you just
0: need to, to gun it, and go for it. Um, and the other thing we need to talk about who we are also sharing the roads with is the wildlife. Yes. Okay. There is a lot of wildlife. Out on the Class 4 roads. What did it's, we
1: see coming down to camp today?
0: Oh, turkey. Yep. Um, black bears were at last at last uh, pilgrimage year before that was moose. Uh, we're always seeing deer, grouse, um, grouse. But like, you the more the deeper you get into the woods, the more you're encountering them. These animals aren't dumb. They use these roads to get around. Um, so always be courteous. Always keep your head on a swivel. Um. And you want to see these this wildlife anyways. So the, fun. the other threat that can change class four roads unpredictably, as I found out last year, is beavers. Yeah. I love beavers, but they have a tendency of erecting dams very quickly or destroying dams very quickly, thus flooding out a road that I'd pre-run a month before. That is now when you're leading a green ride and now everyone's fording a foot of water because the beavers decided they're going to dam this new section.
1: The first time I was ever part of a recovery, Derek, was actually when we uh, oh, slid into a
0: beaver yeah. pond. Yeah, um, and we'd forgotten the chainsaw, so yeah. we couldn't go farther. Um, that's a whole other story. Of like, <laughs> we spent like an hour trying to cut that giant tree with an axe, yep. a hedging saw that we had, winching it, and nothing moved it. And then I got stuck. Luckily, you were able to get around me with only the minimal of body contact Fined and get the over that damage. Uh, but you're, you're going to experience wildlife and there are going to be some natural hazards. So, um, trees do come down out here in the woods, trees fall in the woods. That's the type of stuff. So it's always better to be in the group. Hopefully someone has a chainsaw, but we really heavily pre-run the stuff. So, and most of it gets cleared. The ATV guys are out there. The side-by-side guys are out there. Yeah. The vast trail guys are out there, particularly in the spring, clearing it up. And, um, that's one thing. Be, be responsible for, for the roads. Just remember, but, too, 1,700 miles spread out across yeah. all these different sections.
1: And, you know, that means Derek's starting to pre-run them, you know, as soon as the trail's open. May
0: 15th. So, so and, and some towns open earlier, but the general rule of thumb is don't go out on these trails because we're giving you the maps. For the first time this year before the event, we're giving them on May 15th. Oh,
1: wow, that's amazing.
0: Don't go out on mud season. Like, And the other huge thing, which I have to say, and this comes from our friends, the Game Warden and everything else, do not go on the little bypasses on the sides of the trails. Those are not part of the class four roads. Some of those are actually protected uh, water habitats. So you could get a very hefty ticket from a Game Warden or get into a ticket from the Department of Natural Resources. And um, we wanna be courteous, pick up any trash you come across we're going to give you a trail trash bag to every person that comes. If you fill up one, we'll give you plenty more. We have a dumpster back at the campsite. Please look after these roads. Yes, they are protected, but we are the stewards of them, along with all the other communities that share these these Class 4 roads because it's hard to carry a chainsaw or a bag of trash when you're on a bike or on a horse. So um, just be, just be respectful of the roads and keep Vermont green. Today's actually a green update here in Vermont. It is, yeah. Which is a fitting day to do this and talk about this. I think my wife and I picked up uh, seven bags full of garbage. I oh, you know. Think? My kids are my kids are policing Bailey Mills Road right now. And, and
1: it might seem silly, right? Like, oh, you know, why are there all these rules and regulations and stuff like that? But that's also what keeps Vermont special. Yes. It's what keeps Vermont green. It's
0: what keeps, you know, this natural habitat that is so fun to ride through. You're And you're doing it in... Literally the peak foliage. So that the reason I moved the pilgrimage to that first week in October is in September it really we weren't at you had some turning of the leaves, but like that weekend in October, generally we are at peak or just before it and the colors are amazing and just cruising down these these roads with the leaves blowing. It it's some of the most beautiful. It's my favorite season in Vermont, but it's like some of the most beautiful things you'll ever see. And you get to this overlook, and it could be seeing a chemo. It could be up here in the kingdom. You can see all the way to Mount Washington. Or just coming across the perfect brook um, that you want to stop and do some fly fishing in. Remember, if you're going to do any fishing, get a Vermont state license. license. The game wardens are out there. They're incredibly nice people, um, but they will definitely give you a ticket if you are out there fishing without a license.
1: Back to those views. I mean, yeah, last year when we pre running oh started map God. you know, putting them on the map. Yeah. Right. We just come across something, even if it wasn't foliage season yet, but we knew it was just gonna be an amazing spot to and, check out. And we add a lot we're of throwing. the
0: local knowledge stuff to the map. So not only are you knowing what type of trail this is, what difficulty it is, but what's a, hey, we've marked out there's this amazing cellar hole. Stop, get out, check it out. Or this is an epic swimming spot, you know, a great swimming hole or look, you see a lot of folk art in the woods here. You do. There's a lot of really crazy stone folk art and everything Long
1: else turned into art. Mark.
0: Yeah. It, uh, it's very artsy culture up here, which is cool. But like, there's a lot to experience along the trails. Um, let's get to the difficulty levels. Yes. So the way we grade this is with a couple of colors, green. The way I look at green, anything that is a four-wheel drive vehicle or two-wheel drive with all-terrain tires can do. And I mean, like, if you're in a four-wheel drive, you can be on street tires, and this will do it. Like, I'll do it in my 2008 Range Rover. That's how I pre-run the greens. There is no risk of recovery. There is really very minimal risk of scratching because it's generally a wider trail, um, that sort of stuff. So, like, anything from, like, a VW bus on up can do it. Then we get to the blues, and the blues, my rule of thumb is it the two wheel vehicles are kind of out um unless they're on some pretty aggressive tires or they really or they have you know a locker they want to do something, and you should be on all trains, but you can do it completely aired up and that's how I as harp maybe you might have a slight risk of recovery due to like a muddy spot but like it's not a proper water hazard it's not generally right by a beaver dam or something like that um you might have a small rock challenge but not really risk of body damage sort of things like yes anyone can do body damage even on the green if you're just doing something stupid or or you mess up but it's pretty tame it's when you start getting into the red the way I view it yeah you should definitely be aired down there is a risk of recovery. So whether you want to have a winch or you're going to be with another vehicle and a kinetic rope, um, there is a risk of body damage. But you can do that without lockers. Um, And do it in, I would say the average vehicle, the average overlanding vehicle stock height, you don't need a lift kit. Um, It would definitely or sliders It would definitely make things easier and possibly cause a little left damage on like the lower sills and stuff. But it's not required then the most difficult is pink. Pink is where we get into the stuff that is, I don't want to say lunacy, but it is definitely interesting. And that could be a challenge that is something like our famous crack, which is incredibly technical and can put you on your side. Or it could be something like the pit of despair where, yes, it's not going to damage your vehicle, but you could spend some serious time recovering in there. Yeah. Um, and also pinks may be tighter trails bigger washouts. It is very important there to pick your lines. And with a pink, I would really think about having at least a rear locker. Oh, Um, I would
1: absolutely recommend that. You
0: know, like I've done them before in my regular 110, which only had the central locking differential in it. It beat up the truck. It, I did it. I had to winch a bunch of times. Um, It was fun. It would have been a lot more fun with a locker. Um, But there is, everything for everyone up here yes they're the i won't say the vast majority but i'd say at least 50 percent of the trails are greens yep and then the rest is a good mix of blues red and uh and the pink um and with the maps this year for the first time they'll be in a gpx format and i i'm not going to get into that we'll let mike do his who's not here with us today uh he's dealing with uh with family stuff but He'll. We'll let him introduction to this podcast on how all the maps work. Is he's our tech guy? He's I don't, the master of the maps. What's guys? If this was me running any of this, you'd be getting messages via carrying pigeon yeah. or. Derek and
1: I barely know our colors. And yeah. them to Mike and.
0: I became a pilot, so all I had to do was sign my name. That was literally it. So I didn't have to type. That's why we're doing podcasts and videos because I hate typing. The only thing I hate more is the handwriting. <laughs> um, so. This is great. I love talking, though. I'm really good at talking. I'm an excellent talker. Um, But that's that's how the class fours are. Come up here, enjoy them. And just have an amazing time. And it is nearly 80 towns worth of class four roads. You are never going to be. We thought about doing a challenge last year of someone who, if they could do all the towns and there's no way, there's no way it can't be done in the four days. It's just lunacy. I'm not gonna encourage it. So there's plenty of stuff to see year after year. And we're always adding stuff. And these roads change. Every year. Every year. Um I have greens become blues, blues become greens, greens become pinks, as we found <laughs> out last year. <laughs> it's some really interesting stuff and it's always changing. Um and that's one of the things I love about the class four roads, and the fact that they are mapped allows us to do this in a safe way. Um, and Vermont would get to the overlanding side, but Vermont overlanding is different because, unlike out west, you do not have to bring everything here, yeah. you don't have to have everything with you. You can provision from general store to general store and find the best produce, meats, cheese,
1: you, you know, I think beer. Emily said it best, right? My wife's from Texas, and uh, when uh, she first started exploring Vermont with me when we moved back here a few years ago, she couldn't believe just every general store had pizza. Oh, yeah. Right?
0: All right. We'd travel and explore. and Or like you know, local steaks, yeah. local ground beef. Like, and that's, it's you can just come with an empty core and survive. This is not power to everyone who has vehicles set up for long distance overlanding. Like that is, that's my next step. I honestly started out as a day tripper here because I live here. So people are like, where's the best off-site camping? And I'm like, I don't know. I live here. Like, I don't don't know what to tell you, man. Like, I just go out and wheel and then I go home. (laughs) So it's, you can come here without having to have a load of camping stuff. Yeah. And even your camping, the thing I love about walking around the event is you see everything from uh, someone who has the basic tent to... LMTVs that are built out with a... With, with an apartment in it that was yeah. better than any of the apartments I ever rented. Yeah. Um, and the overlanding trailers, that's so on the trailers for the event. We do allow people to bring small adventure trailers. My cutoff is like really that 15, 16 foot mark. You can't come in an airstream. That's not this type of event. We don't have the room for it. But you can bring one of the adventure trailers. That's awesome. Or rooftop tented or ground tented. Or be crazy and sleep in a basha shelter right next to the vehicle like i've done or some of the other guys have done um or stay at one of the local airbnbs bed and breakfast there's nothing saying you have to camp you do not have to camp we probably have 20 or 30 people every year that stay at like the woodstock inn um or other airbnbs that the just uniqueness
1: of the airbnbs you can find here too oh yeah yeah awesome you know it could be a room in a house like a really cool uh, old farmhouse to a standalone cabin yep. in the middle of the woods uh, it's just absolutely amazing the options that you can find
0: yeah and you can do as, as i said before you can do really with these class roads you can go wherever yeah. and if you come over to the staff tent in the morning and say hey i want to go look for breweries we'll help you do that we'll help you plan a route literally i'll be sitting there michael will be sitting there a couple of staff guys with the maps on a computer so everyone can see them and plan out a route that covers the activities that you want to do within the difficulties level you want to do um, and share our local knowledge. And that's, that's what I love it. You are not at some off-road adventure park. This is literally a magical mystery tour of whatever you want it to be, and I am your crazy magical mystery tour conductor <laughs> to help. To help guide you along the way, um, and that—that's—I couldn't ask for anything more than that. This is what makes yeah. it different. And this is not a show that's built around vendors either. We have some amazing vendors, but we heavily curate our vendors to make sure that they really only apply to what we're doing. And the heavy focus is on Vermont products, with a couple uh, overlanding, overlandy type uh, sponsors and vendors who donate some amazing stuff. And into our free raffle we don't charge for the raffle you paid to be here i will not make you pay for a raffle ticket same thing when we do the guided stuff if it is a class we you are not paying for our guide service as well there the only service guide service you'd have to pay for is this year we're partnering up with Orvis, and they will be offering some of their fly fishing guiding services at the event Ooh. which um is amazing if you're in fly fishing um team up with john and his crew and just go out and do some of the fly fishing along these these are the local guides go out with them get a mix of the class four roads bring a lunch and just have some amazing fly fishing up here on some of the black river all that stuff It's gorgeous or do some really off off the beaten path fishing on some of the brooks and all that and that is going to be a new addition to the this year is, is having Orvis there with the fly fishing guides, which is just awesome. Um, I wish I could take part in that, but I will be doing the other things. I'm gonna take part in that this, this summer when I go out with them <laughs> and uh, sample their guide services. Um, I think that's pretty good on, on the class four roads in the event. Anything else you think we missed with the event? Like No,
1: it's, it's choose your own adventure. And it's yeah. great. That adventure can change three times throughout the day. It doesn't um, matter with those maps. You have it right there in front of you. You can pull it up,
0: and now you can do it in different. Well, Mike, well, Mike will cover in this podcast the different apps. You don't yeah. have to use my Avenza app, which really I inherited from Peter, which was an awesome thing because that was just how the VTrans maps translated. Now you'll be able to do it with in a GPX format, which is um, amazing. Now you're not switching from like screens to different maps and stuff like that, and it just
1: mm-hmm. makes
0: it super easy, you know, <laughs> planning your route, actually building it out. So one more plug because we are releasing the maps on may 15th when most of the class order roads open when you come up here and you need a place to stay reach out to cheryl at henderson's hideaway they always have campsites available that's right there in south world and that's where we host the event um spend the night there take advantage of these maps spend the night there with them um and they're kind of being south and it's kind of in the center of it's kind of really the epicenter of all these class four roads you have the amazing class four roads down to the south you're not overly far away from the kingdom um so use these maps it's not like you're just paying for the event you're kidding you you can now cruise the class four roads whenever versus having to wait till the end of the year or till just before the event um well let's move one of the things we want to do with the podcast is as we interview and co-host other people is talk about the vehicles that they brought so Let's do a little uh, walk around tour of Chris's 110. All right. Tell us the story of first how you got this 110 and how it's evolved
1: from when you got it. Absolutely. Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, you know, I used to have a 2001 Nissan Xterra. The main purpose was to get through the snow in the California mountains when I lived out there. Um, Moved back to Vermont, made it halfway through the first winter uh, and then, yeah, there's a little thing called the timing belt that actually matters. So once that thing died, um, you know, I'm looking at different options and my wife, you know, she knew that I've just loved the different you vehicles. you covered my rovers for a that long time. I have. And I've talked to Derek throughout the years and all the different states so, I've lived in.
0: Backstory, Chris and I grew up together and went to high school together, um, and, and that's where... We knew each other when we left high school. I went to the Air Force. Chris went to the Army. Different sides of the country too. I'm in Vermont, and what you started down in Texas, Texas,
1: then up to Washington, and, yeah,
0: and everything else. So it's only recently that you've come back in the last three years. It's it been three years now.
1: Yeah, this is this is year three.
0: So 2019 or is it 2020?
1: 2020, 2020. February 2020.
0: Yep. And it all started when I let you borrow my LR3.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> moved up here. My cars weren't here yet. My wife and I had rented an RV to. Move across the country, cars are being shipped. Derek was kind enough to meet us basically day one, and I could borrow his LR3. Um, and man, what a vehicle! That thing was yeah,
0: the LR fantastic. I, LR3 is big fan of LR4s. They catch fire. We're gonna go. We're gonna do another podcast. Uh, vehicles where t- on fire. We're we talk about Derek's experience in vehicles on fire, be it planes or vehicle, <laughs> planes or automobiles. Um, fire extinguishers, fire extinguishers is a big key. We're going to do another podcast on what should be in your vehicle. I can't, I can't plug fire extinguishers enough. <laughs> reachable too. Reachable, reachable. So, but, you
1: know, after the Xterra died, you right, had I'm looking at, you know, maybe a small pickup. I got 45 acres. I uh, You know, I do a lot of stuff on the property. Got my own little dirt roads here. Uh, and Emily was like, you know, you've, you've always wanted one of those Land Rovers. You know, maybe now it makes sense. So, I started talking with Derek, uh, his friend Andy, you know, started looking in the UK at different options and stuff. And he found this beautiful 1986 uh, XMOD, so X Military um,
0: 110. Normally aspirated 2.5
1: diesel. That's 68 horsepower,
0: in case at you're wondering. At its best. Yep. It gets about 20 to 25 miles per gallon, really. Mm-hmm. And you have a central locking differential. I do. Yep. You're sitting on, what tires are you on now? Uh I'm on the Yokohamas. Yep. So Geolander, Mud Terrain. What size? Um, are you still the two thirty five eighty five sixteens or are you two fifty fives? Nope, two thirty fives. Two because this came over on original bias ply oh. seven point five R sixteens, which were okay. No, no, remember I had a flat in your oh, yard. Yeah. yeah, they were they were pretty they were pretty old. Yeah. <laughs> So
1: Derek pointed in the right direction for some good tires. Um, So that was probably the first.
0: That was your first upgrade was getting you tires that didn't just randomly. How was the first thing I did? Give up
1: the ghost. Um, Since then I've also become more of a mechanic than I've ever been. Land Rovers will do that to you. Uh, Everything from water pump, fuel lifter pump, most recently the fuel injection pump. Oh,
0: the diesel, yeah, the best mod, your diesel heater mod. Yeah. Oh, that is huge.
1: (laughs) Um, So if you didn't know these vehicles, have barely enough heat that come out of them naturally to maybe defrost your windows. They were designed for the
0: desert and then the UK where it doesn't really get below 50 degrees. Yeah, so
1: I put in a little diesel heater, 8 kilowatt, um, sits where my center console would be. Yep. Uh, exhausts out the bottom underneath it along with the fresh air intake. And I got heat running to the back and the front. And uh, wow, what a difference for making this like an all-year-round vehicle.
0: Yeah, there are ice boxes before. They just... And yeah, there's you freeze. I did a whole year. One of my my second ever Rover was a '76 Land Rover lightweight that had no heat in it. And I did a whole year in the military where I'd get up and leave my house at 5 a.m. and it would be like negative 25, and I'd have to dress like I was going on an Arctic <laughs> exposition to drive to work. It was 24 volt. It started every time, but I had like curtains in it to try to like retain any sense of heat. And I had an ice scraper tied to the inside of my of my vehicle so I wouldn't lose it because that was the only way to keep going in the winter because my breath would fog over the windshield and freeze um we've come a long way since then yeah but uh yeah they were never known for their heat um but it's a cool they're really capable cool trucks it's amazing what this thing does and
1: you know I've added creature comforts besides the heater Got a little awning that comes out the side, put a roof back on. The awning ski. The awning ski. You know, because when I'm carrying coolers full of goat cheese and butter, I need to be able to store all my stuff somewhere, so it gets thrown on top. And you've added the winch, so I don't have to kinetic...
0: I have uh, added the winch. rope recovery all the time. one of
1: the best investments, especially when I'm out by myself. Oh my yeah, goodness. If,
0: if you were gonna wheel by yourself um, on the class for roads, I think a winch is the added. Granted, you can get away with a come along if you have experience yep. using a come along. I i don't use high lift jacks because i don't have enough training on them and honestly they scare the shit out of me um they just they've seen way too many videos where they go wrong i'm sure if i had the proper training from the oex guys i'd feel more comfortable but i i can't see myself ever using it as a winch because it's so terrifying i've only used it for a snowmobile and that was bad enough um but
1: yeah yeah i mean the other things that i've done uh, you know, I got a little goal zero battery box in here with solar on top. Yeah. The solar is the next mod I'm going to be doing on the ambulance. Good mounts for everything from iPod for my Bluetooth speaker to one for a tablet
0: for the maps and then for my phone. Oh, the phone. Yeah. So that's the big thing that I struggled with until I got into actually doing this on a more professional level is those, uh, what is it the rhino mount? Yep. The rhino mount. That, that is huge. It's amazing. Um, I use it in everything from the UAZ to the Defenders. It's secure. It's simple. It works. Um, it's like 50 bucks yeah, on worth Amazon. It. Worth, worth it. its weight in gold, um, especially when you're trying to navigate with these Class 4 roads. Um, having the ability to have that mounted and not just flying around the cab is huge. Um,
1: the things I added most recently as well are uh, some more underbody products
0: protection so i got steering guard
1: steering guard (laughs) steering guard Ah. is key
0: especially on this vehicle Ah. yeah the steering is is not super protected on these 110s or or really the defender they're a little more protected on the series trucks but on the on the 110 90s 130s the steering guard's nice it's amazing what can take out your steering i've taken out my steering twice on the snatch 110 my armored land rover that i cruise around on the trails with because i'm a
1: I can't tell you gunner. how many times I was nervous following Derek on trails, knowing he had that and I did not. Yes, um, it gives
0: you a little more confidence it, and the steering's just not buried like it is on a modern car. No. Like it doesn't have the plates under it. Um, well, talk about your latest, your most latest project, yeah. your paint job. Here.
1: Yeah. So this car came
0: over as a, uh, you know, military olive drab. And I cannot stress how poor the paint jobs were on these British military vehicles. So the way the way these work is, When it is in a combat unit, they really don't care. But what matters to the British army is Royal inspections. So what happens is they find out that, you know, Princess Anne or one of the other Royals uh, is coming and they say, everyone get out the rollers and brushes and repaint the vehicles. No, they don't deal with spray guns. It's, it is layer upon layer upon layer of
1: paint. In this one, I mean, there are parts where it's already like chipping down back to the aluminum. Uh, yeah my
0: ambulance when i sanded it down changed color seven times uh it was everything from cypress camouflage which was the green and the tan to regular mickey mouse camouflage the green and the black to arctic or un white at one time back down to green again and then to the original bronze green that it rolled off the factory with in 66. um so yeah don't, we don't feel bad about doing these cars with our brushes no, no. This one,
1: right after I took off some of the side antennas and stuff like that that you know i just I wasn't using. Yep. Um, I painted it, and it came out like an Andy's mint. Uh, <laughs> so if you can imagine that kind of green, bluish.
0: Your green was not great. And, the, the red that you've done now is much better. Well,
1: well, then I switched to a darker green, right? With kind of oh, like you're the right. Black. You did
0: have that second green, so then it looked acceptable for sure. Um, and, and we'll and post some pictures. To go along with this podcast, yes, of, so you could see of the history of Chris's paint jobs, <laughs> yeah. um, right. one thing that I would like to point out that Emily pointed out to me earlier, his wife, is Chris's just lack of taping anything. Yeah. So as we walk back, been working it, a lot, for not taping Derek. it, he did an amazing job. <laughs> but as we walk back to the license plate, which now has red paint on it, and you're Wonderful Vermont Creamery sign that now has red paint on it. But what a red, Derek. But what a red. What what a red. I'm amazed at how well you actually did without taping. Like, your glass is actually amazingly clear. Yeah. It is... Uh... <laughs> but again, it suits... Like, this fits in with the vehicle. This is what it is. It is.
1: I'm, I mean, I know that this vehicle will get scratched up. And
0: it's an aluminum body. You look at it, and the front wings dent. They dent oh, just yeah. by looking at them.
1: I got. I got derrick dents
0: the derrick dents right
1: here from when you know i was trying to get around you in that beaver box. oh yeah
0: that's yeah had the ambulance did that yep um uh, yeah
1: yeah this is still not quite where it should be uh the little
0: wheel fender flare well like the coolness is the corkiness and cool fact like yes we could do this in a modern 2022 bronco and there's nothing wrong with that i could do this with power steering power steering but- power steering on so I have a similar blue version. Well, I don't have it. My wife, Catherine, has a, a 110 that's similar, and she's going to do a walk-around tour of her car and tell the story of that car, which is really interesting in um, our trip to Scotland and many breakdowns along the way. Um, but it takes a real level of madness, I would say. And You don't have to pay for a gym membership in the trails. No, you don't have to pay for a gym member. The is the worst. <laughs> the Pinsgauer power steering is uh, is really atrocious. We'll get into that when we Talk to Brady in one of our upcoming podcasts about his experience with the seven twelve and how that's evolved. Um, if you, that is hands down the most capable vehicle I've I've ever seen in terms of just raw ability to to do stuff because it's triple lockers with it. It's it's cool. I mean, uh, the sex appeal of the driver is without uh, match Bra- too. So Brady is timeless. Um, I'm pretty sure he's a vampire because he doesn't age. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but this is a really cool rig chris has done a wonderful job with it it's always evolving yeah it is um, none of these projects are ever finished let's be honest we're always looking to add something or in my case when i finish one i sell it and then i want to build another project yeah um, right and like again when it goes back to just that this event is for everybody
1: i don't have that million dollars i don't have the hundred thousand no. dollars to drop on something and so
0: you can, come as a, I go. you can come in a daily driver or you can come in something that you trailered there. One thing we have to say is the vehicles have to be road legal and insured. So they have to have a current plate from wherever you came from. They have to have insurance because, again, this isn't an adventure park. This is you're cruising regular roads yep. and driving in between them. So that's what kind of makes it a little different. So it's not really an event where you see the stuff that is set up for rock rolling. This is people that are using these rigs for everything from incredible long distance overlands you know all through baja and everywhere else or well chris and i are planning a trip out west next spring um to we're just up here for a weekend getaway in vermont like that there's no right or wrong way to do this the cool thing is you can walk around the event and see all these vehicles and that's how i get fun. that's, I, that's, that's where i get there. all my ideas and what i'm going to do to my next is seeing someone and i'm like god that's such a better way of doing it than i'm doing it um, particularly with the awnings, yeah. Uh, I I want to upgrade to a Batwing. to the bat wing awning. Um, cause me just using a Pasha shelter and tent banks to stay dry is not the answer. Uh, it's the period correct answer of my old military later hours, <laughs> but it's not the answer if you want to have a happy wife and children. Um, but yeah, this is this is a really cool. Brig. it's got an awesome life up here in vermont i think we're doing it we're doing it right by letting it retire it's still on the roads oh yeah you know like this is the ultimate recycling right like this is not not a, not a prius it's not a prius it's not a tesla because we're this is recycling this this is recycling. clarkson would be proud of us i mean the rest of the world probably isn't proud of us but like you know, diesel definitely <laughs> smokes a bit when it's going up a hill, I and mean, it does not go up a hill fast. No, sorry if you're stuck behind me. But it goes up the hill faster than my diesel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, this is the walk around. I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast. I think we'll end it on this note. Thank you for listening to us ramble on for – oh, man, we've just hit the hour mark. Oh, wow. Um, thank you for listening to the Class War podcast. Let us know how we should change it. Chris will be a, uh, a recurring host here, um, as he's one of my best friends and also a staff member here at the pilgrimage. Mike, our, who's re- going to be joining us, he's not here with us in person, but joining us electronically will also be recurring, and we hope to bring in people like you um, in an interview, and talk about anything related to the pilgrimage, class four roads, overlanding in general, with a big focus on vermont and new england overlanding because um, i can't talk about the out west stuff that's not stuff that i did we might bring in someone um like laz or charlie who have done it and they can go into that and do with their experience but our experience is really just vermont that's that's what we know that's what we love that's why we do this event um and we look forward to talking to you about it yeah hope to see you there all right have a good one everybody thank you again for joining us